A good job by P. Run securing the catch. So it's a gain of 15 yards. They're at the 20 yard line. This is going to be a double pass. Tony to the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Morrill Stevens is there to pull it in. What's up, guys? It's the Double Pass Podcast, and we are back in action after taking a pretty long break. But I'm um, glad to finally come around. It's Andrew Barton here, and I'm joined by a very special guest, Noah Lopez. Thanks for having me. Great to be back. Of course. So we're going to talk about college football and then switch over into the NFL as we're getting into the final stretch of football season with the playoffs coming up and both leagues. So let's get into it. So right now, I would say there's a lot of controversy over the number one team in the nation. LSU, they've been Alabama, but are they the better team than Ohio State? Who would you say is the better team out of Ohio State and LSU? For me, it's got to be LSU. I mean, three key wins, three top ten teams, Alabama, Auburn, Florida, and you look at Ohio State's resume, you got Wisconsin, and then you got nothing really else mm-hmm. there. I mean, for me, LSU is the clear number one team, not only deserving, but on offense – They've obviously been the best team, putting Mm -hmm. up pretty much 40 points every game, no Mm -hmm. matter the opponent, uh, put up 40 on Alabama. Yeah, that's impressive. But I think the better team is Ohio State. But I think LSU deserves the number one spot. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you why. Statistically, the number one defense and the number one offense goes to Ohio State. I mean, that's unheard of. Usually when you have the number one offense, your defense doesn't get to, see, doesn't get to rest a lot, and that, therefore they're like the 30th or 40th best defense. Mm-hmm. But no, sound on both sides of the football. I don't have the records in front of me, but I don't think that's ever happened before in college football. Not even with 01 Miami, 08 Gators, ever before. Uh, you have three Heisman candidates with Chase Young, J.K. Dobbins, and Justin Fields. That's, I mean, that right there. That's pretty impressive. Um, and they have another top 15 draft pick in Jeffrey Okuda, the uh, cornerback, number one. He's insane. And yes, they don't play anyone, like you said, but they win by an average of 42 points. And it's not like they're struggling. I mean, they're blowing every team out. Yep. But the reason LSU deserves the number one spot is because of who they beat. Yeah, because Just of their plain resume. And simple. Yeah, so I think LSU deserves the number one spot. But if they played... Uh, it's so hard to... That would be a great game. I, I think LSU would win that game. You think so? I think, I think their offense You think is, offense will out, outlast their defense? Mm-hmm, I think their offense will just put up points on Ohio State no matter how good their defense is. Um, I trust Joe Burrow, Joe Brady, their receivers. Um, but, yeah, I think LSU would win that game. I mean, I don't, I don't think I've been this impressed with any offense in college football in a long time, as much as I have mm-hmm. this year with LSU. I mean, the, they, the numbers that they're yeah. putting up, Joe Burrow just coming off an insane season, love, love him or hate him, he's been... He might be the best quarterback in college football, could even be possible number one draft pick this year just because of this year. Last year, we saw we saw a short glimpse of him, you know, first first real season starting at LSU, put up okay numbers, nothing too special, but then this year comes out and absolutely lights it up. 
lights it up. Lights and it up. It's not like he's playing in the Pac-12. Or, uh, no, like no, not. he's playing in the SEC, putting up these numbers. It's, it's. I mean, it's wild. Mm-hmm. I haven't witnessed like I haven't witnessed anything like this, and maybe since the Johnny Manziel days, but he didn't really put up that the best numbers. Mm-hmm. And um, there's also a lot of controversy with the fourth spot. Right now, it's Georgia, um, and. They still have to play LSU in the SEC championship game, which is, my guess is they're going to lose that game. Uh, Alabama, they have Auburn left. Tua's out. In my opinion, Alabama isn't going to make it. I don't Be- think they will. Because without Tua, they're not the best without team. That, they're not a top four Without team that best. SEC championship, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think it's, it's, it's a possibility. Now, Just, there's too yeah. many good one-loss one teams right now that would... Potentially be conference champions. Exactly. That there's no way the committee there's no way the committee would put in a one loss Alabama mm-hmm. non SEC champion over say a one loss a Big Twelve champion yeah. in Oklahoma or, or even a one loss Pac Twelve champion in Oregon. Mm-hmm. I just don't see it. I uh I just think Alabama without Tua is a completely different team. Absolutely. They only scored three points against that in Mississippi State in the second half without Tua, and they put up thirty five with Tua. So Mac Jones I, is a freshman, correct? He is. Is he? I I actually don't know. I think he's I think he's a second year, if I'm not mistaken, because I know they got a uh, Tualia to his brother as Talia. a freshman. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think? What do you think's the move for Saban next year after after Tua leaves? Do you think he goes Mac Jones? Because Mac Jones has been his number two guy now, but if we're talking talent wise, then Talia might be. Might mm-hmm. overlie. I mean, so Mac, Mac Jones, Jones, he's a sophomore. Yeah, he's twenty one now. I mean, that's, that's an old sophomore. Mm-hmm. So he'll be a junior next year. I say you give him it. Yeah. I say you give him the job. Um, I think because the experience and mm-hmm. give Twalia another job. Mm-hmm. I give it. I give him another year to develop. So, I don't think Alabama is going to get it. Um, mm-hmm. but that South Carolina loss to Georgia that scares me. That scares me a lot. Yeah. I, and they're going to lose to LSU. I don't think yep. they're going to be in the playoff. I think shows them that shows that they're a very streaky team. Like mm-hmm. you can't. I don't think you could count on them in such a big game. Yep. As uh, as LSU. But I think Oregon needs more talk. I mean, the only loss was the first game yeah, of the Bo Nix miracle. Absolutely. Of that little throw up fifty fifty ball. Justin Her- Herbert is playing he, well. He's been a Heisman sleeper this year. Mm-hmm. He may not win it. He may not. He may not be a finalist. But he's mm-hmm. been he's been in that race. Mm-hmm. He's been up there the whole season. In Utah, they're going to win out. I think they have Arizona and Colorado left. I think they deserve more talk. Um, they're going to come down. It's going to come down to the, the uh, um, Utah and the Oregon game in the Pac-12 championship. Yeah. I think it's going to come down to that. Because um, Utah only lost to the USC by like four in like week five. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to come down to that. I'm not convinced by, by Utah. I don't think... You don't think so? I don't think they've played... Enough, had some close games. enough good opponents, not even the better ones in the Pac-12 yet this year that that has made them a legit contender. Mm-hmm. But if Oklahoma wins the Big Ten championship or Big Twelve championship, then they deserve they have only so, one loss. So who who would deserve that spot? Say a Big Twelve champion, one loss Oklahoma, or a one loss Pac-12 champion in Oregon. Oregon with the week one loss to to a pretty good top fifteen Auburn team, or Oklahoma with a mid season loss to, to Kansas, Kansas State. State. At, was that at home? I I think, I think it was. was at, at, I think it was at home. I think it was at Kansas. It was, State. At, it was at Kansas State. Yes, yeah. it was. It was. 
Yeah, so obviously the better loss is... Do you think the committee goes, you know, do they think they go ratings there? Jalen, people want to see Jalen Hurts play. They know Oklahoma can light it up. Do you think that might play? I think that could be a factor? I wish I could be in that room when they're talking just to figure I mean, out their what, mindset. What, yeah, what's the mindset in inputting Oklahoma over Oregon right now? It should be the four best teams. But yeah. it has I'm not sure it has been in recent years. It's just it comes down to who they think is more deserving, mm-hmm. not that not who they think is the is the best team. I, I mean, I it, agree. who's the most deserving at that point in time? Because mm-hmm. uh, Alabama in a, hypo- in a hypothetical situation, one year could go could go twelve and zero in the in the regular season and then lose in the SEC championship hypothetically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they've looked like the best team, most dominant all year, and then they lose their last game to let's say a, a let's say Georgia, who has also been really good. Mm-hmm. Do they get left out of the playoffs just because they lost that one no. game? I, don't, I can't see that happening. I mean, there's just so many one-loss teams that deserve to be in it, in my opinion. So. I, I mean, Penn State, Oklahoma, uh, Penn State, Ohio State, this is a huge game this weekend. Absolutely. If Penn State loses, they're out. If Ohio State loses, I think they're still in. Yeah. So I don't see enough out of Penn State. I don't. I don't that that Minnesota loss scares me. Yeah, I, 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 mm. I cannot see them winning, beating Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I can't see it. But as of right now, I think the winner of the Pac-12 championship goes in. You think so? Yeah. Over, 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 over uh, Oklahoma. Even if they're a big, even if they're a yeah conference, because champion. that conference uh, championship is they're not going to be a ranked. It's not going to be a ranked team they're playing against. As for Utah and Oregon, it's going to be a ranked matchup, top fifteen matchup. Who would who's Oklahoma projected to play in the Big Twelve championship? I think it's it's not Texas because Texas just Texas. lost to Iowa State. Um, I can look that up real quick. Okay. With Georgia, if they beat LSU, I think LSU's still in it. If Georgia of, beats LSU, yeah. you think they both get in? I think they both I think get that in. W- I think that would happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't, I don't trust. I, I can't see Georgia winning, but... I, I can't see Georgia's defense... or Georgia's This, might be, this could points. possibly be the toughest decision between four teams that the committee's ever had to make in mm-hmm. the history of the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. So the There's fi- so many different things on the table right now in terms of who could, who could possibly make it mm-hmm. and, and what different scenarios... Right now, Baylor is second in the Big 12. Yeah, Baylor. So, that would be a rematch. It will be. remember, Baylor was up 30. Mm-hmm. Baylor, 28, yeah. 28-3. They choked it. Yep. They choked it. I would be looking at Baylor as a serious playoff contender right now had they held yeah, on oh yeah, in that game. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. That means... That Oklahoma... If they, if they went undefeated... If they go... If they went undefeated into the Oklahoma game in the Big 12 championship... That would that would kind of scare me. Even with a two lo- a potential two loss mm-hmm. Oklahoma team there, I still know that team is dangerous. Jalen Hurts is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Heisman contender against Baylor. They want they would want their revenge. Yep. I don't know how I would feel about Baylor in that game. We're gonna have to revisit this the segment in a couple of weeks just to see how everything shapes up. Absolutely. But um, other than the fourth spot, there's a lot of. I think the the best two the best three lost teams are Auburn and Iowa. Mm-hmm. The highest ranked three lost team is Auburn at fifteen, and then Iowa at seventeen. Auburn at fifteen, Iowa at seventeen, and then Oklahoma State at twenty one. Yeah. And Auburn's losses are at eleven UF, one LSU, and four Georgia. 
and their best win's Oregon. I mean, that's a good win. Yeah, that is a good win. Iowa's losses are... Really good win right now. Yeah, very good. Iowa's losses are 13 Michigan, 8 Penn State, and 12 Wisconsin with their best win at Minnesota, Mm -hmm. number 10. So, all three losses are justifiable. I mean, they all went neck and neck. It wasn't like any of them were blowouts. Um, And they each have a good win, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And if they played, I do think Auburn would win due to... I think they would. Iowa's banged-up offensive line, and that has not lived up to the expectations. Auburn's elite elite run defense. Mm -hmm. Um, But... If they did play, are you nervous about Bo Nix when Iowa has a top five defense in points per game and a top fifteen defense in yards allowed? You saw him miss some critical throws at UF at the Gators and yeah, threw I mean, a pick in the end zone. And jo- um, Bo Nix under pressure this year has been abysmal. Yeah, you saw that and, the missed throw. And a, yeah, and a potential a potential matchup against Iowa in AJ Espinosa mm-hmm. on that D line, a potential mm-hmm. top ten mm-hmm. draft pick this year. Him putting the pressure on on Bo Nix that whole game, I, I don't I don't know how he he would perform. They might have to run the ball a lot mm. in that situation. I still think Auburn would win due to their defense. Mm-hmm. So I think Auburn is the best three loss team, and then Iowa is just ranked right behind them. I would say that Oklahoma State their offense, uh, Chubba Hubbard, yeah. Chubba Hubbard's insane, Chubba Hubbard. and they have Tylen Wallace at wide receiver. Tylen Wallace, they were leading the uh, NCAA in uh, receiving and rushing yards. Pretty dynamic duo. And yeah, and Chubb Hubbard averaging 173 rushing yards a game. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. That's unheard of. Crazy. Um, who is your, speaking of all these stars, who is your Heisman front runner? Oh no, I know who your Heisman front runner is. Is there a close second? Do you know who my fr- Heisman front runner is? It, you better say who I'm about Because if you do not say Joe Burrow, I will have. My Heisman front runner is. Jalen Hurts. What? Jalen Hurts. Hear me out. 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 Oh my gosh. Hear me out. Hear me out. What? Combined, combined total touchdowns, combined total yards goes to Jalen Hurts. I know, I know, I know Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's having an insane year. He's leading this amazing LSU team. I just, when I just think Heisman, Jalen Hurts just, just, Speaks to me like that. He's not. When I say Joe Burrow is by himself, Joe Burrow is one of the closest races that I've seen in a long time. No, but right now, Joe Burrow is in the clouds, and Jalen Hurts is looking up to him from the ground. I don't think that at all. I don't think that at all. Jalen Hurts almost a thousand rushing yards this season, thirteen rushing touchdowns. Added total touchdowns, added total yards. Give it to Jalen Hurts. That is Jalen Hurts all day. Um, it could, it could, it could go a different way at the towards the end of the season. Mm-mm. Joe Burrow's got got Arkansas this week. He might he might put up another four hundred yard, six touchdown game. You nope. Know. All right. So if you're talking about total touchdowns, and you're gonna have that one stat for the Heisman. I have a couple stats for you here, hoodie. Mm-hmm. Noah Lopez. 2019, Joe Burrow leads the NCA in completion percentage on non-screens at 77.2%. Last year, it was Gardner Minshew at 69. The year before that was Baker at 66 and Luke Falk at 65. Right now, Joe Burrow is at 77% completion percentage on non-screens. He makes everyone around him better. Justin do you think? Do you think the Heisman committee would 
take those stats into account, though? Do you think they look at that? I think they do. Do you think so? Yeah. I mean, he makes everyone around him better. Justin yeah, Jefferson course, was course a three-star. Now, he's ninth in reception yards with Jamar Chase at four. LSU is the only team in the nation with two receivers already over 1,000 yards. Well, what do you think when you think Heisman, though? You think, you think an electric playmaker on a good team that makes insane plays. I think the, it's the best football player. Johnny football type. Mm, I think it's the best college football player in the world, and that's Joe Burrow. Do you think so? Want to hear another crazy stat? Why do you Why do you think Christian McCaffrey didn't win it over over Derrick Henry a few years ago? Because Derrick Henry was the better college football player. No, Christian McCaffrey Christian was more McCa- electric. Christian McCaffrey had better stats than 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 Derrick Henry. He was he was deserving. But since Derrick Henry played for an undefeated Alabama team that won the national championship, I did just, they win the national championship? Uh, Alabama twenty fourteen. Did they Did I they lose to Clemson that year? They might They might have. I don't know, it's years. Yeah. The SEC's most successful deep ball passers per success rate is B- Joe Burrow at 65%. I feel a lot of Second stat- is Garitano at 45%. You know what I don't feel from Jalen Hurts, though? Mm. Stat padding. I don't. I feel a lot of stat padding from, LS, from the LSU offense and Joe Burrow. Mm-mm. Playing against, they put up, what, 67 against Vandy? And they didn't take him out at the whole game. It was a close game. Their defense let oh, up. Their defense. It was they left they thirty-seven. By, they won by like thirty-five points. It was. Uh, and you don't take Joe Burrow. I just. Joe Burrow throwing a Justin. I feel like Jefferson. you're just wanting him to win the Heisman so no. much. Like, mm. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a biggest fan of Joe. Anyone Burrow. Anyone tell you you look like Joe Burrow? Yeah. I okay. I get it. I get it. Joe Burrow throwing a Justin Jefferson. Don't get Don't get me wrong. Joe Burrow is. Insane. He's one of the best passer passing quarterback Heisman candidates that I've seen recently. Mm-hmm. But I, <sighs> he has more touchdowns than Tebow ever had in a season, and there's still five more games left for him. He has better passing efficiency rate, and he's more accurate than Tebow, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Marcus Mariota, and Johnny Manziel. Who's the last pocket passer to win the Heisman? Sam Bradford? Mm. Sam Bradford. Mm-hmm. I'll take Sam. Sam Bradford. I mean, he's not a pocket passer quarterback. Yeah. He runs the ball. How many How many touchdowns does Joe Burrow have this year? 38? Uh, he has 30. He has 38 passing. I he has three no, rushing. Three rushing, so 41 touchdowns. Dwayne Haskins last year had, had like 50, 50, 50 passing, passing touchdowns. That is crazy. That is nuts. I would say the close. I wouldn't say Jalen Hurts a second. You wouldn't. Justin Fields really? a second. Really? Solely because his touchdown to interception wow. ratio is 31 to 1. That's pretty impressive. In a conference that values defense, I don't know. You just got to add those add those rushing yards to, to Jalen Hurts' Heisman profile. It's not just him as a passer. It's him as a runner. Almost 1,000 yards rushing. There's, there's, a, there's a handful of teams. There's, there's a whole bowl full of teams in college football that don't even have that total this year. Mm-hmm. And no. Jalen Hurts by himself with nearly a thousand rushing yards is just it's it's insane. It, it and is the passing insane. stats that he has too to go along to complement that it's even it makes him even better. The thing the thing that sticks out to me is You never know in this in these com- in these in these coming weeks my my opinion could change. It could swing farther towards Hurts or or more towards Burrow, easily, easily. I, 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 they're neck and neck right now. It's... I had Tua winning it last year, and look what happened. Kyler yeah. Murray won it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think Joe Burrow is the best player in college football. If they give him that, 
if they give him the Heisman because he's the best, or do they give it to Jalen Hurts because he's the most electric, yeah. as you said? It'll be interesting to see. Or maybe not. You never know what could happen. I think his Heisman moment was that read option against Alabama to get that first down yeah. and steal the game. Mm-hmm. I think I think that was his Heisman moment. Um, but let's see. Let's see. I have to wait for that Big 12 championship. Jalen Hurts maybe make some big plays towards the end of that game. You never know. Yeah. You really do. It could. Does the Heisman Does the Heisman get announced before or after the playoffs? It's it's right before bowl season. So I think Is it's it? okay. I think it's um right before the play because I remember. Kyle do you, do you agree? With do you agree Heisman. with that? Do you think it should be after the playoffs? I kind of like to see I how they it, handle the hype. Exactly. I kind of like yeah. it because if biggest games of the year, you got to see how those guys perform. There's a Heisman curse, like the Madden curse, where they always play bad after they win the Heisman. Yeah. Maybe uh maybe Joe Burrow, or Jalen Hurts will will change that. Maybe. I think now it's time to discuss a team that may not have all the hype, may not be in playoff consideration, much less bowl consideration. They might not be bowl eligible, but they certainly do deserve to get talked about. They're known for having Florida's hand-me-downs as coaches. Do you know who I'm talking about? I do know who you're talking about. The, uh, start waving them towels, start playing yeah. the rude sandstorm. Yep. Talk about them Gamecocks. Those Gamecocks. Uh, so please welcome to the show, for the first time ever, South Carolina alum, South Carolina insider. He knows the program like the back of his hand, Sam Friedman. All right, so welcome to the pod, Sam. Hey, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, we know you know your South Carolina sports. Um, and Unfortunately, I do. Yeah. After, <laughs> after uh, not making a bowl this season, but pulling off a stunner against Georgia, Will Muschamp, I think, did the athletic director say he is staying for sure? That's correct, Andrew. They, uh... They already reported that they're sticking with Muschamp at least through next season. Uh, Ray Tanner came out and said he's sticking by his side. There were some grumblings that the that the school and the board of trustees were in talks actually with Florida State's athletic program to figure out you know how they financially structured the buyout, hmm. but that seems to be false at this point. The schools denied it. So it's looking like we've got another year of Muschamp in 2020. And how do you and all of Gamecock Nation feel about that? Are you well, optimistic? Well, I think there's some skepticism. Mm. Um, obviously, Will Muschamp didn't have much success at Florida. He had a good first year, but you know his woes were well documented, and he seems to have brought those same issues to South Carolina. Unfortunately, you know the teams are constantly injured. Mm-hmm. The the offensive play is always suspect. He always has a game or two where the team just doesn't show up. This year it was two, unfortunately. It was North Carolina in the opening game. And the Tennessee game was just inexcusable. Yeah. Um, you mentioned injuries there. Do you think that's the one of the main reasons he's staying? Because he has the excuse of injuries? No, I think it's partially financial, and I think the school understands that continuity is one of the keys to building a program. Um, I don't think they're ready to just jump the gun just yet. 
Um, I mean, as you've seen, it takes a lot of time for a coach to really be able to come in and implement success. It doesn't happen overnight unless you're a Nick Saban. But, I mean, the prime example is the coach from the upstate, Dabo Swinney. You know, it, it took him time mm-hmm. to build a program, build a reputation, get his players in there, and, you know, really just come on on the big stage. And, you know, all the credit to them for what they're doing up there. Look, It's looking like they're going to make another playoff. Mm-hmm. This year, and cruise through the ACC, it doesn't seem like they're going to have much competition along the way. Yeah. Um, there, there was an interesting tweet, though, actually, that came out. Uh, Mason Zandi, who was a former offensive tackle for the Gamecocks, who played for a period of time under Muschamp, and you know, he said, you know, quote unquote, that injuries, you know, it's not. It's not just a one-year blip. You know, Muschamp tends to overwork his players. Oh. Um, you saw it at Florida, Andrew. I know you're a big Florida fan, yep. and you follow the Gators. Andrew, of course. You know, we're rampant across his up. time at Florida. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the idea when Muschamp came in was that he was going to let, you know, the offense just – you know, he was going to have no hands in tinkering with the offense. The the grumblings around Columbia is that doesn't seem to be the case. Clearly, the offense has been very suspect this year, and it's been a little bit of a roller coaster during his time in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if, you know, next year he can either, you know, make it happen or I think a change is going to be made after 2020 if they can't, you know, show any sort of improvement. And by improvement – do you mean like competing for the SEC East or making a bowl game by getting seven wins? Well, I think Andrew, it, it, you gotta take baby steps. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what college, especially in the South, college programs and their fans don't tend to understand is that building a program takes time. It's a it's a process. Yeah, you know he's he's only in year three. He's got to get his guys in there. Um, he's gonna have a full you know freshman through senior his guys in there, and I think the patience will be wearing thin next year and that'll sort of be his year to prove whether he can, you know, build a program or not. And I, I believe, you know, this is going to be, you know, if he can't succeed his last chance on a big stage, like an SEC program to, you know, have an opportunity as a head coach, you know, we all know he's fantastic defensive coordinator throughout his time at Texas, Auburn, all of his other stops. And, you know, unfortunately we're, we're pulling for him. In Gamecock Nation to write the ship, but to to say I'm confident it's going to occur, you know, it's it's just not uh, it's just not there for me personally. No, yeah, I, I agree. Um, do you think South Carolina is the type of job to get a big name if Muschamp is to let go, like a name like maybe Brian Kelly from Notre Dame, or are they going to go after maybe a smaller guy from a smaller school? Well, I'd be shocked first if Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame. I mean, he's got one of the biggest salaries, one of the biggest programs there. They're doing a great job up in South Bend. You know, in Columbia, we like to think, you know, we're a a large SEC school with a a solid program, a fantastic fan base, uh, you know, a large alumni base, brand new facilities. You you would think that, you know, a high-powered coach would want to come in there and write the ship looking at, you know, how Florida turned it around, how Georgia turned it around. Um, but I, I think personally, if they do make a change that I think the right move is to get a young guy in there, you know, a young, okay. possibly you know, a young coordinator who, you know, is going to have, you know, he's proven himself and really has the opportunity to sort of 
make his own stamp and someone that would realistically, you know, stay and yeah. over time really build a consistent program. Um, historically, South Carolina has gone after the, the coach who had the big job and, you know, for whatever reason, whether time just took its course or, you know, things just didn't work out, lost that job. And, you know, for example, Muschamp, Spurrier before that had obviously his long successful reign at Florida then went to the Redskins for a while things didn't work out and came to South Carolina and before him even Lou Holtz the storied Notre Dame coach Mm -hmm. and may I say famous accent on ESPN he is missed (laughs) he is very missed the slobber is missed (laughs) but (laughs) but yeah you know it it, it would be nice (laughs) to see some youth in the program and it seems like these these players in 2019 is a lot different than back in the 90s 80s even 70s where you know a head coach ruled with an iron fist i mean these these coaches need to recruit these players these players aren't of the same mentality mm-hmm. as they were 40 years ago and quite frankly the game's entirely different so you need to get a guy in there who can relate to these young you know high school high school recruits and you know have them really be able to buy into what you know they're trying to build and that that's the key mm-hmm. now before we switch over from south carolina i'm gonna have to ask you one more question is clemson on upset alert in two weeks it pains me to say it but no. no i mean clemson has no. rolled through every team except for that one north carolina game they seem to be sort of coming in stride they're putting it all together very quietly um, obviously, the ACC isn't the best conference this year. It's probably the weakest of the Power Five. Mm-hmm. But Clemson's going to secretly be a three or a number two in the playoff this year. And we're going to really see them be battle-tested. And, you know, from top to bottom, they have pro prospects across the board. I mean, I know for a fact, you know, mock drafts have been pointing to Isaiah Simmons as a first-round pick, yep. T. Higgins as a first-round pick, and... You know, we all know what Trevor Lawrence is eventually going to do, most Travis likely Etienne. being the number one pick coming out next year. Mm-hmm. So it, I, it's hard to it's hard to say that they're going to be on upset alert now. Could South Carolina make a game out of it? Yes, mm-hmm. but I, I don't see Clemson having much of a problem against the Gamecocks. It's been a very disappointing season. You never know with college football. You never know. That, that's true. That's true. Now, um, there. Let's just switch it over to a, a higher up league, and we all know, or at least I know, you're from Baltimore, and we know there's something brewing pretty special up there right now. And I'm talking about MVP talks, Super Bowl talks, all the uh, all the good old talks. So, how realistic is a Super Bowl for this team? And all of it is warranted. Now, something finally I'm excited to talk about, and his name is Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. Action Jackson. And Super Bowl talk is rampant throughout the city. Lamar has taken the city by storm. Everybody's bought in. You can even tell these players love Lamar Jackson. They completely entrust in him, and he's a humble guy. He seems focused on football. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he's a human highlight reel. I mean, put on any of his clips on YouTube. Watch any second of ESPN. All they're talking about is Lamar Jackson, and rightfully so. The Super Bowl this year, I mean, the Ravens are really coming in stride. I mean, the defense is starting to come together. The The secondary, the back end with, you know, three top-end corners. Marlon mm-hmm. Humphrey's playing like an all-pro this year. Marcus Peters has been 
you know, it seems to be openly the best trade of the trade that deadline. Was a huge and, get, huge get. Jimmy Smith is finally healthy, mm-hmm. and not to mention Earl Thomas, the future Hall of Famer, playing center field out there. And the back end really helps what Don Martindale likes to do, and that's that's bring the blitz. And my concerns are still there about the front seven, but they seem to really be starting to come together once Michael Pierce comes back healthy. They just they just picked up two. You know, veteran D tackles and Domata Pekka, who played at Cincinnati for a long time, mm-hmm. and Justin Ellis and the guys on the edge, Matt Judon's going to have a huge payday coming this offseason. And I think the key is really the emergence of rookie Jalen Ferguson out of the third round. He was the leader in sacks last year out of Louisiana Tech. Oh, wow. He was, he was leader in sacks at all the NCAA, if my stats are correct. And he's really starting to take a role on the edge and helping bring pressure between him, Judon, Pius Bowser. You know, all the credit goes to Eric DaCosta, the general manager this year. I mean, the the patchwork they've done with that front seven and bringing in guys seems like every move they're making is working. And we love to see it in Baltimore. Super Bowl talk is – it's very realistic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, GMEDC, he does not play around at all. He he gets who he wants. And – also, some you know, DaCosta's running the ship, but Ozzy's still around. Mm-hmm. Ozzy's still at every game. He's still advising. He's still acting in a team advisory role. And you know, credit to Steve Bashotti, Dick Cass, the the management group of the organization. And you know, they just you you see consistency amongst the same teams that are successful every year, and it starts at the top. I mean, look at New England, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. You know, Seattle out in the NFC. I mean, it's the same teams every year that are competitive. And it starts with ownership, and then it goes down to the head coach. Mm -hmm. Now, if everything stays in line, it looks like Baltimore and New England will have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. If everything stays in line. Now, who would you say Baltimore's biggest threat is in in their own conference? And then if they get to the Super Bowl... Who do you not want to see? Well, well, it's hard not to say that, you know, the AFC runs through Foxborough. It has for the past 20 years. Yep. Um, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, they still have a fantastic defense. I know the Ravens scored 37 points on them in prime time, but... Was that a fluke? I don't think so. I think this offense is for real, but come January, you know, Bill Belichick will have his defense ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a, a leap here and go a little against the grain and say that I think Kansas City's the toughest matchup for Baltimore. And Andrew, let me tell you why. Tell it's me the team speed on the outside uh, on their offense. I mean, obviously we all know what Matt Patrick Mahomes can do, but Tariq Hill four two speed, Michael Hardman four two speed, Demarcus Robinson four three speed, Travis Kelsey is an, a mismatch for not only linebackers, but even some corners, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to beat them in a shootout. Yeah. Um, now the key to a game like that is obviously Kansas city's defense. It's a little suspect. I know they played well on Monday night, you know, but it's a little different between 30 something year old Phillip rivers and 22 year old Lamar Jackson and just the speed and the running game that they bring and the mismatches and the pistol formation, with Greg Roman, and you know they'll throw some wrinkles and throw all the sh- all the all the tricks out there for a big game like that. Mm-hmm. 
Now, do you think this team, this Baltimore team, is just as talented as the Super Bowl team? In different ways, of course, but do you think the talent is there? It's hard to say. Um, mm. These are two entirely different teams. Yes, by far. Um, the, the 2012 Super Bowl team, like, they were kind of limping into the playoffs. Mm. You know, they, they got out to a hot start and sort of cruised towards the end of the year, and, and they got in, and once, you know, Ray said it was his last ride, that's really when everything sort of clicked, and, you know, Flacco had that 11-0 touchdown to interception run yep. in the playoffs, and the mile-high miracle, but these teams are entirely different, um, and that starts with Lamar Jackson, obviously, and how this team has completely revolved its identity revolved its team style type mm-hmm. of players is brought in around Lamar Jackson. Um and the the defenses are different. Obviously, you know, there's a new guard here in Baltimore. For the longest time is you know the same faces, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, T Sizzle, and now, you know, on that defense you're seeing newer faces. You're seeing young guys like Marlon Humphrey, Brandon mm-hmm. Williams, Matt Judon come in really take over those roles as the leaders of the defense. And even Tony Jefferson, who is out for the rest of the year and wasn't playing like he normally does, but, you know, there, it, there's new faces in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it really is hard not to like the Lamar Jackson's personality, Mark Ingram. I mean, it's hard to not like Baltimore. And I'm not oh, supposed I mean, to be biased, but I, I'm, pulling for, I'm pulling for the Ravens. Yeah, well, we all know that I've pulled a little bit of bias on you. Have made you watch all the games a little this bit, year. a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. It's, it's it's hard not to like them. No, I, I agree. I mean, this is the most likable Ravens team that you know we've had in my lifetime. I mean, even the Super Bowl teams, mm-hmm. they weren't, they didn't have this national identity as this team does now. And you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, everyone can stay healthy. This team is really, you know, right now they're playing like the best team in football. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they've caught the most eyes. This uh, Monday night football game against the Rams, it's going to show a lot of people that Lamar Jackson is real because he still has a lot of doubters. And he always will, unfortunately. He always will. Just with his style of play. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. Sh- shame, on, shame on those people. Yeah, shame on they're them. They're missing out on a show. A complete show. Action Jackson. Lamar era, you got to join it. Ravens flock. Got to love it. All right, Sam. Well, thank you uh, so much for coming on the pod, and we hope to have you again maybe in a couple weeks to cover more when the playoffs uh, starts shaping out and some more college football talk. But thanks again. No problem, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to have the opportunity to be on the double pass. The double pass, of course. Thank you. Besides the Ravens, are there any other notable surprises in the NFL as far as overachieving? I mean, I know there are a lot of underachieving teams like the Rams, the Browns. I think the list can go on a little more. But I would say for me personally, I think the Patriots' defense has caught me by eye. I mean, Stephon Gilmore might be the best cornerback in football. Jamie Collins has had a good year. And I'm also impressed with the Packers. Aaron Jones in the rushing attack has helped Aaron Rodgers out greatly. Um, and Valdez Scantling, <laughs> he, I, I didn't even know he was a person before the season started. So, I mean, the way Aaron Rodgers 
brings out stars around him is just very impressive, and their defense is looking pretty good too. Mm-hmm. They definitely had some guys step up in in the absence of uh, Devonte Adams. The, that few game stretch where where he was out, yeah. You know, guys like guys like Valdez Scantling, guys like Geronimo Allison, mm-hmm. even Jimmy Graham at some points, so yeah. certainly stepped up to help Aaron Rodgers. Would you say there's another team um, that stepped out to you? I mean, overachieving ways. Yeah, in overachieving ways. Like, did you see the 49ers maybe going Oh, 49ers, absolutely. I was thinking, 49ers before this season, maybe looking at them as a... Wild card? Not not even, not really? even, honestly. The, the year that they had last year, what did they go, 2-14? and 14? This year, maybe, what, 6-10, six, six and 10, you know? Mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo just didn't seem like that guy. He was hurt for a lot could, last yeah, year. Yeah, who could, who could lead a team like that. But, man, let me tell you something, that defense... Oh. Bosa, oh, best defense mm-hmm. in the league. Really, I'd over the Patriots? So. I would say so. Honestly, they're the reason they won so many games, man. They're the reason yeah. they started out eight and zero. How about uh, how about George Kittle? He's playing pretty good too. Kittle, yeah, that tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, he is putting up some numbers. Um, yeah. you talk about their offense. The you look at their offense. You know, you look at the depth chart. You don't see very many, many playmakers. You don't see guys that you've maybe heard of before this season, guys that really stand at, out to you as a as a real yep. star. Yep. But guys like yeah. guys like Tevin Coleman, guys like Marquise Goodwin, mm-hmm. they've really helped out Jimmy Garoppolo this year. They've really helped that offense keep mm-hmm. pace with the defense. Yep. Complement each other. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm not sure this is a t- it's not a team, but a player that really stepped out to me, Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, the man is the man's a good Bruce. quarterback, and Gardner Minshew. I think he should be starting somewhere. Yeah, I think both of those quarterbacks need to go somewhere and have their own role. Him and Minshew. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, plenty of teams. Out, didn't lose plenty a game. of teams looking looking f- towards the draft for their quarterback. They should. They you know some of those teams, Dolphins, Bengals. Mm-hmm. You might want to look towards signing or trading for Teddy Bridgewater, Minshew. I know you're close to the Dolphins organization. Would you? What do you want, Bridgewater? Yeah, you I would. would. Mm-hmm. I would. I would take him. You see, I, I, the Dolphins are in a position right now. They might have. They might have uh, done themselves over by by winning those two games, but but they they are not in the contention for Joe Burrow. I think or Chase Young. I think Joe Burrow will be the number one overall pick. I mm-hmm. think the Bengals. Pretty much have secured that spot. They're not favored to win any games for the rest of this season. They're they're an abysmal team. Mm-hmm. They're not winning any games, most yeah. likely. Yeah. I think they're a lock to get Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow's the guy that they want to bring into their franchise. I knew the Andy Dalton era is over in Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean him and AJ Green. Yeah, that, that's a good duo. AJ yeah. Green still hasn't come back from injury. Yeah, or, just yeah. have him fresh next year. Absolutely, but if we're looking at a team like the Dolphins, you know they got it. They were hoping to get their guy in Tua Tagovailoa. He got hurt. He got hurt. You might want to get quarterback, save those picks for offensive linemen, yeah. and build around and him. And he's also now is a huge, huge risk to take. Injury prone. His whole college three injuries career, in two years. His whole collegiate career has been super injury prone. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at that that second quarterback option in the draft potentially to a 
may be healthy at the time of the draft or looking towards uh, Justin Herbert, who hasn't really been like yeah. all that in the college football scene, but has been has been definitely one of the biggest NFL prospects not only not only this year but last year also yeah. when he decided when he shocked everyone shocked NFL execs by staying in college football and not declaring for the draft. I haven't watched my film on Herbert, but I know he's a, a very talented guy and he loves his team. He stayed absolutely, another year. To, absolutely. So wherever he goes, he's gonna stay loyal. He's gonna take pride where he goes, not throw a fit and yeah. wanna get traded. Um, the big question now is these teams that that are looking for a quarterback, do they wanna take a risk on, on one of these guys? Do do they wait for next year? Do they do they try and get the number one guy next year? Or do they try and give away some of their some of their assets for seasoned veterans like Teddy Bridgewater or a guy like Gardner Minshew who's shown flashes of greatness this season mm-hmm. with Jacksonville. If I'm the Dolphins, I think you'd go after Bridgewater and then you use the remaining picks. I say at number four, you get Andrew Thomas, the the lineman out of mm-hmm. Georgia. Mm-hmm. Then you get a couple receivers because this draft class is loaded yeah. with receivers. Because the Dolphins don't only need a quarterback – they need everything. A running back. They need running DeAndre backs. Swift. They need corners. They need safeties. They need O line. Most mm-hmm. importantly, mm-hmm. O line has has been terrible this year. Maybe you get offense lineman and then a running back. So and if you trade, so if you trade for a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, that leaves the door open for you to for you to take someone like Andrew Thomas to help mm-hmm. out that O line mm-hmm. to help build around Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. You know. Get guy could could get a guy like Henry Ruggs from mm-hmm. Alabama later in the draft. Could get a guy like Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. Yeah, I say you wait until the second or third round to get a receiver because it's so loaded. Yeah, um, and you get your running plenty back first of, round. Plenty of receivers this yep. year. So, what do you want to see from the Dolphins from the rest of the season? Rest of the season, I just want I just want the guys to go out there, play their hearts out, man. Maybe try to get a couple of wins, but. I don't. I don't feel like Brian Flores is is is, is gonna let these guys. He's not gonna let them win a bunch of games, even if they play like <laughs> yeah. like honestly, honestly. He's gonna he's gonna switch some things around to make sure we're not we're not out shooting our our coverage here in in, in our plan. You know, mm-hmm. you know he knows the organization's plan is to get probably as low as a draft pick as possible while not looking like we're yeah. completely tanking. You know. Yeah, it is tricky. Um, so I think the next couple of weeks when the playoffs start shaping up and we can start seeing the draft order, mm-hmm. we're going to get a lot of a better grip on what's going on. Um, and we can come back and do another pod. But as right now, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Yep, thank no you, Sam. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Double Pass. Subscribe on YouTube at Double Pass. And if you guys could leave a review... That would be awesome, and I will talk to you guys soon. Peace.